0: Up until the 1800s, most of the governments did not have municipal police forces. They had almost like a civilian force a group of people that were charged with protecting the darkness. They were charged with keeping watch, making sure things stayed in order, making sure nothing crazy happened. They were charged with telling the time and stating the time, and they were charged with communicating the weather. And these men were called watchmen. I started this series with you last Sunday, A New Heart out of the book of Ezekiel. And last week we conversed a very interesting chapter of Scripture. Amen? I appreciate the Lord challenging me at times, and if we don't have a challenge, we don't grow. Do you agree? And it's always fun to me, maybe not in the moment, but it's fun to me when the Lord lays something on my heart or leads me to a passage of scripture that really makes no sense or that pulling a sermon or finding the revelation of his word is not cut and dry and it's not black and white. The challenge is fun to me. And last Sunday was one of those Sundays. I appreciated the way the Lord revealed his word to us as we discussed that and looked at the vision that Ezekiel had. And I told you all about the, the vision, and I tried to get you to picture what it would look like with the, the creatures standing in the four corners and the wheels and the eyes that wrapped around the wheels. And it's almost just something far-fetched that our minds can't even really wrap around, and it's hard to even really understand. And I told you that the point wasn't really what Ezekiel saw. It was the fact that he opened himself up to receive the glory of God. And we made a commitment together last week that as we walk throughout our day-to-day life, That we were going to look for the glory of God. That we were going to look for what it was God wanted to show us each and every day and each and every moment. That we were going to open ourselves up and allow ourselves to think outside of the box. Allow ourselves to think in a way that really doesn't make sense all the time. So that we could see what exactly it was God wanted us to see. And so we pick up a little bit after this vision and I want us to look specifically at the charge that Ezekiel's given. And if you'll look at chapter 3, verse 17 with me, I want to read this very simple passage of Scripture. If you give me a little bit more of my monitor, sir, I would greatly appreciate it. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17 says, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them a warning from me. He said, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. This is interesting because at this point, Ezekiel has been dealing with the people of exile, the people that are, are the outcasts, the people that are out in this, uh, this situation. And yet God says, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel, which would be the whole body of Israel rather than only the Israelites in exile. But he says, therefore, hear a word from my mouth and then give them the warning that I give you. I want us to look at this for just a few minutes. You're a watchman. The interesting part of this, where this really begins for Ezekiel, is in a chapter, the beginning of chapter 3. And he's seen this vision and he's gone through and you can read through where... The spirit entered into Ezekiel in chapter 2 and he set him on his feet and God began speaking to him and give him the the declaration, the charge of what he was going to do. And then your scripture says that God looked at Ezekiel and said, you're going to open your mouth and you're going to eat this scroll. This continues just a little bit of the far-fetched idea of Ezekiel's vision. But he says, you're going to open your mouth And you're going to eat this scroll. And verse 2 of chapter 3 says, I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. The first thing that we have to make sure we understand, uh, and the, the responsibility that we've been given as a watchman, is that we're eating the scroll. The scroll literally was the word of God. It was the word that would go forth. It was the word that God would place inside of Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, I opened it, and and it almost was like, much to my surprise, it filled my belly, and it was sweet as honey. You ever pick up the word of God sometime? You could just be honest. You can be real. There's days you might crave it. I talked to a little lady in, in Irwin this week, and she said, Pastor, I just have been craving the word. She said, it's like I get hungry. She said, and instead of a meal, I just have to go sit down and hide somewhere and read some scripture because I'm just hungry for the word. I said, Lord, have mercy. What if we were all hungry, had a physical hunger for the word? But it's not always like that. There's days you pick up your word and you read something like Ezekiel chapter one, and it's like your mind's eye really can't make a whole lot of sense of what in the world's happening. Or you start going through the genealogies and they begot that, begot that, begot that. And if you really dig down, there's some meaning, there's some meat to that, but sometimes it gets it gets kind of like you're sifting through the sand, and it's like, what in the world am I looking for? Amen. I mean, we'll just be honest. This is the living word of God, but at the same time, there's a lot of history in this book that God's using to reveal himself to us. Amen? And if you're not a history buff and you're kind of like me and it's not always been your strong suit, sometimes until God just says, hey, here's what I'm trying to say, sometimes it's words on a page. But God said, Ezekiel, open your mouth And eat the scroll. And I can picture Ezekiel literally opening up and God cramming something down his throat. Now we say we don't need to cram something down anybody's throat. Amen. We teach that there's no reason to cram scripture. There's no reason to cram Jesus. There's no reason to cram church down somebody's throat. Agree? It's only going to choke them up and push them away. And here poor Ezekiel had the word crammed down his throat by the author of it himself. But to Ezekiel's surprise, he said, I ate it. It was in my mouth. And It was like honey and sweetness. What if... We pick up the word with the intentions of getting full. What if we pick up the word with the mindset that I'm about to sit down and I'm going to eat me a delicious nine ounce thick cut sirloin cooked medium with just a fine good little bit of red juice in the middle of it. What if we sat down in front of our word and we picked it up and we got ready to feast on his word the way that I would be ready to feast on a nine ounce thick cut sirloin? What if we anticipated the fullness, the way that the taste was going was to touch our tongue? What if, we, what if we looked for the flavor of the word the way we look for the flavor you're going to look for in your lunch in a little bit? But he said he ate the scroll. And then God begins to give these directions. He says, I'm not sending you to unfamiliar people. I'm sending you to people that speak your language. I'm not sending you to people who have this deep tongue or some deep theological uh, communication, some deep theological heart. He said, I'm sending you to people who are familiar to you. He said, actually, you'd be better off if I sent you somewhere where they didn't understand what you're saying. He said, but I'm not doing that. I'm going to send you to a place where the people know what it is you're trying to speak. And they're not going to listen to you any more than they've listened to me. That's encouraging. I'll just be honest with you. There's days that I walk to this pulpit. And just the human flesh, mind side of me says, Lord, am I really, really messing this up? Or are they not listening to me any more than they listen to you? It's not a fun place to be sent somewhere, to be given a job to do, knowing that you're going to be Put all from the time you start. You agree? I've been given challenges in my my secular job. I've been given things to do that I know when I walk down, I walk in an office and I, I say, "Ma'am, I need to do so and so." From the second I open my mouth, I'm instantly the worst person she's met all day. Something that's going to completely help the situation. Something that's only going to make things work better. Only going to work things work, make things work smoother. Yet because I want to touch what's comfortable to her, I am now her enemy. I want to change a few settings on her computer and she thinks I'm going to destroy her whole world that's nothing to ever work the same again. But it's because she's comfortable. And so here Ezekiel Is being sent into a place where he is probably pretty comfortable. And God says, Hey, by the way, from the time you walk in the door, you're not going to be received any more than I am. Nonetheless, you go do what I say. That's a challenge. To know that we've been called to do right. To know we've been called to walk in integrity. To know that we've been called to carry the gospel every place we go. Every minute of every moment of every day. Knowing that it's going to have the door shut. Back at the end of the school year last year, I was able to go into one of the elementary schools. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think I'd ever get to do it again. So I preached to the fifth grade graduation ceremony. And then I prayed over those kids. Public, elementary school, I thought, what's the worst that's going to happen? I won't ever get to do it again. And I found out this week that there was a teacher that was there. She said, oh, you should have heard. He went in there and preached to them kids, and they needed it. And he went in there and prayed over them. And she said, yeah, but there were some teachers that absolutely couldn't stand it. I don't like rejection. Do you? I've never met anybody that did. And even though I knew that I was in the place I was supposed to be, and even though the multitude received what I know God sent me to do, two or three people that don't receive it will destroy the high that you have because of doing good. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like to be Ezekiel. He said, you go and you speak my word. But then he says, in verse 8, because he's just said in verse 7, hey, Israel's not going to listen to you because they don't listen to me. He says, but I'm going to make your heart, your heart as hard as their heart. I'm going to make your forehead as hard as their forehead. So you can butt heads with them. So you can go to bat with them on the same level that they are on. What has God done? He's prepared as equal. He knows where the people are. He knows the, the place that they're at. He knows the heart that they have. And he says, you know what? I'm going to give you the sustainability. I'm going to give you the endurance. I'm going to give you what you need. Put on your big boy britches. I'm going to strap you up and I'm going to make sure you're good to go. Go do what I say. So we ingest the word. We allow God to equip us. And we stand as watchmen. Ezekiel was put over two different types of people. I got brackets in my Bible that I've drawn around verses 18 and 19 and 20 and 21. In verse 18... God says, you're going to speak to the unrighteous people. He said, and when I say you're going to die, you better give them a warning. And if you don't give them a warning and they die in their iniquity, their blood is on your hands. Family, that's scary. But what's even more scary is to put this in context just a little bit. We don't have any reason to believe that Ezekiel knows anything about resurrection. We don't have any reason to believe that Ezekiel knows anything about eternal life. And so, Ezekiel, being appointed as a watchman, has been told, hey, if you don't do what I say, you don't say what I say to these people, you don't say, hey, if something don't change, I'm sorry, but you're going to die. We can't look at this in New Testament eyes. We've got to look at this and understand where we are. For somebody to die, I can't read Ezekiel's mind, so I'm not telling you this is what he thought. But we have no reason to believe that he thought it was going to be a spiritual death. For somebody to die, for this to have been an issue, it would have been like somebody dying early, dying before their time. It would not have been that they live out this long, full life and then pass away. That would be normal, right? There would be no punishment in that. But for Ezekiel to fail to give the warning and these people die in their iniquity, the blood would be on his hands, And it might as well have been that Ezekiel literally took his sword and slaughtered those people and took their life. It's no different than a murder taking place. Are you following me? You with me? It's no different than a murder taking place. If I've given you a warning... You've not heeded to the warning, you've not done what I've said, and they die like they are, then their blood is on your hands. You might as well have just killed them. If I go out and I slaughter somebody today, their blood is on my hands. They did not deserve to die at that point in their life. If I took their life, their blood is on my hands. And so Ezekiel said to these unrighteous people, if you don't warn them, if you don't tell them what I say to tell them, and you don't say, hey, listen, something's got to straighten up. If you don't put them on their way, you don't straighten up their path a little bit, at least deliver the word. They don't even have to hear it. But if you don't at least make it available, then you might as well have just literally killed them and their blood be on your hands. What a responsibility. That's harsh. That's strong. So, if I allow fear to overcome me, and I don't deliver the word of the Lord that the Lord says, and I'm sorry, but we have the word of the Lord more so than Ezekiel had because you've got the end of the book. You know that all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. You know that we all have righteousness through the blood of Jesus. We know the word of the Lord. Amen. I don't have to wait on God to audibly speak and say, hey, go tell these people that if they don't straighten up, they're going to hell. Not to say he won't, but I already got that. And no, I'm not going to physically kill them by not delivering the word of God. But if they die in their iniquity, the blood's on my hands. That's rough. So then he starts talking about this other group of people. He says, but then there's the righteous. He says, there's the righteous people that I've called you to communicate to, the people that have a stumbling block in front of them. God is not going to put anything in front of us to allow us to trip and fall. I believe that God will not remove every stumbling block because he's going to see if we're smart enough to walk around it or to fall over it. I don't believe he's going to place it there for us to fall on our face. he's He's a God of love. But he's a God of love, and he's going to leave it there to see if we got the sense enough, if we're willing to walk around, or we're going to allow ourselves to fall over it. He says, and to these righteous people, if you don't communicate to them what I've told you, you don't help them through that time, and they die. This is harsh because I think of all the people, I think of ministers. Ministers that I know that have got up in life and failed. They know the Word, they know God allows us the stumbling block to sit there, and we got to walk around it. And they fall one day. Their mistake doesn't erase their past. And I'm not using past in a negative context. I'm talking about the life of ministry, the souls they've saved, the, the souls that they've seen won to the Lord, the, the kingdom that's been built through their ministry. The one mess up doesn't take away the good that's been done. But God told Ezekiel that if you don't warn the righteous and they fall and die over that stumbling block, that the righteousness that was done will be forgotten Not only will it be forgotten, but that's on you. It's on them, but it's on you. That hurts. That hurts my heart. Some of you have been in this game a whole lot longer than I have. And you've been living for the Lord twice as long as I've been alive. To think that your righteousness, the life you've lived, could be lost, could be forgotten, because one of us allowed you to stumble and fall, is heartbreaking. God says they're the unrighteous that you're to warn. But he didn't leave out the righteous. Because if we're not careful, we get caught up on reaching the unrighteous, reach the unrighteous, reach the the sinner, reach the sinner, reach the sinner. And that's the mission of the gospel, go to seek and save that which was lost. But whoever said a righteous person couldn't be lost? the one sheep that left the flock was still a sheep. He said, I've made you a watchman over the house of Israel. We eat the word. We allow ourselves to be equipped. Scripture says that After you beat the scroll, he told Ezekiel, fully understand this before you go forward and try to speak. Grow yourself. Make it known. Put it in your heart. Your belly's full, now let it digest. And then he gives the target. The watchmen were important people. The watchmen were placed in these towns and villages to keep order, to keep peace, to fight crime. But they were also put there to support. They were put there to help the hurting, to lift up those that had fallen. And you and I have been placed as watchmen over the house of Israel. Would you stand with me? Would you come play something soft, please, ma'am? This chapter continues to get interesting. At the end, you can read where God sent Ezekiel to his house, and he says, hey, when you go in your house, you're going to be bound up with ropes. I'm going to take your tongue. I'm going to put it to the roof of your mouth. You're not going to be able to speak. How in the world am I supposed to be a watchman if I can't go nowhere and I can't speak? The watchmen walked the streets. They stayed in constant... Movement. They stayed in communication with the people they came in contact with. It's interesting to me. When these watchmen filled their roles, I said that they watched over the dark. Because there really wasn't any light. We didn't have modern day electricity. The pretty street lights weren't glowing and you couldn't see a town from miles away. You talk about dark, it was dark. And here these men are flying solo. Don't even necessarily have a wingman. Walking the streets making sure there ain't no chaos breaking out. Making sure there isn't anything crazy going on. And as I studied the watchmen, they would carry some kind of lantern, some kind of candle, some kind of torch, but it was fire. And their way was lit with the fire. See, if we allow God to, he'll make this a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And I believe that if we allow his word to go forth in front of us. I was up really late last night. And I had my first cup of coffee at midnight. And I had my second one, I don't know, it's 31 o'clock. And when I freshened up that cup of coffee, there wasn't but just a little bitty bit in the pot. And so, you know, that hot plate had that coffee hot. And I poured it in that cup and I wrapped my hands around that cup. And it was all I could do to even hold on to it. But I still wanted to. It was on the point it was burning my hand, but I still wouldn't let go of that coffee cup. I even bent my face over it, and I huddled around that coffee cup. Because there was something about the heat that draws you. You ever walk by a campfire and not go back up to it? If you've done that, something ain't right with you. I walk in my mom and daddy's house to the fireplace. The pilot light can be on, and I'll still go back up and try to get warm by the pilot light. You've been appointed a watchman. You have been been appointed the watchman over the people that you come in contact with. He's not sent you to unfamiliar people. He's not sent you to people that don't speak your language. He sent you to people that ain't going to listen to you. They don't listen to him. But it don't matter because you've been appointed to be a watchman over those people. And there's going to be unrighteous people that if we don't watch over them and we don't correct them, we don't speak truth into their life, that don't, that's not all we're going to do. We're going to be there to support them and lift them up and hold them and carry them through the heartaches and the hard times. Regardless, you've been appointed over the unrighteous people. You've also been appointed over the righteous people. If you think back, I can think back over life. And it's almost embarrassing how many people I know that once stood beside me in situations like this. I just stood beside them in a pulpit. And they're nowhere to be found in a church. They knew the word of God. They they lived it. They loved it. You've been called to be a watchman to the unrighteous and to the righteous. It would be a crying shame for all the righteousness that's been done in the name of Jesus to be forgotten because somebody won't stand and watch. We better wake up. The watchman can't go to sleep. The watchman can't sit in the guardhouse and make sure everything's okay. The streets are dark. You ain't got a clue what's going on around the corner unless you go look. just see I saw a picture I ain't got a clue how real it was it doesn't really matter it painted a picture for me and it was this older man kind of hunched over carrying a lamp a lantern through the streets walking through looking and I thought Lord Give me a burning lamp. Make it hot. Make it burn that people want to come and stand around it. That man that I saw in that picture, I think if I walked up to him, I think I'd want to go walk up and get around his little, his little lantern and just warm up. Ingest the word. God, give us a craving Make us physically hungry for your word. I don't know that I've ever had anybody tell me that until that little lady told me that this week. She said, Pastor, I get hungry. I just have to go find a corner and hide somewhere and just get some scripture. I thought, some teriyaki chicken. In just the word. By the power of the Holy Spirit. As we're baptized in fire. God will equip us to do what he's called us to do. You've been given a new heart. We're going somewhere. This series is out of the verse of Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six, Where he says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll exchange your heart of stone for a heart of flesh. This body has already had that exchange we've received our heart transplant the question today is you've received your new heart you've been commissioned to be a watchman over your people the question is what you going to do about it what are we doing what are we going to do about it what are we doing about it as a body what are we doing about it as a family what are we doing about it Individually, when we walk out the doors and we're not associated with this family right here. It's easy for us to get excited. It's easy for us to make commitments. We're standing here. There's power in numbers. But are we constantly walking the streets, allowing God's word to light our way, looking for somebody that needs to be watched over, looking for somebody that needs direction? Looking for somebody that's hurt, that needs to be picked up, that needs to be supported. My God moments this week, one of them was that little lady who just needed to pour out her heart. Stood right there and started letting tears roll down her face. Why, why do I feel alone? Why is it that I feel like nobody wants to, to be close to me? Why is it when I get a friend, I feel like the friend leaves me? She said, I know God's preparing me for something. I said, you answered your own question, dear. God's already given it to you. What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do? Father, I love you, Lord. God, I thank you for the calling that you placed on our life. God, this new appointment that we've heard this morning, Father, to be watchmen. God, just as you have placed Ezekiel over the house of Israel, God, you've placed us over every person that we come in contact with. Lord, people that are familiar with us, people that are not strange to us, that speak our same language, that look like us, that smell like us, that talk like us. God, just the same as the ones that don't, Lord, but you've placed us as watchmen. the question that you're challenging us with today is what are we going to do about it? Father, you've given us the word to speak. You've given us the direction. You've blessed us in a way that Ezekiel did not receive. You've given us your word. You've given us the life-giving word. Lord, what will we do about it? Help us, Jesus.